We are online 24-7. Sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an update. I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice. My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. Before 21 Savage would hit number two on the Billboard Hot 200 with Is a Album and number one on the rap charts with Without Warning. It ain't really like too many ways to make it out besides rap and basketball. Before he dropped tracks like X, Bank Account, and No Heart. I grew up in the streets without no heart. Before 21 Savage would shack up with Amber Rose and collaborate with the likes of Metro Boomin, Drake, The Migos, Mike Will, Future, DJ Khaled, Rich Chigga, and Post Malone. I've been in the hills, fucking superstars, feeling like a pop star. Before the Slaughter King would opt for a death before dishonor tattoo on his forehead and a dagger between his eyes. It's a knife. I gotta say, I've been doing these videos for a long time and that's still one of my favorite clips. Now, 21 Savage grew up in East Atlanta where he witnessed his father dealing crack as far back as he can remember. At 14, he began selling drugs himself. He also got his hands on a gun and brought it to school with him when he was in the seventh grade to teach a kid who was talking shit not to be messing around. This incident eventually got him kicked out of every middle school in the county, so this gave him more time to work on his street hustle. Through his teens, he would build a tight-knit gang known as 21, and they would also hook up with the Bloods. He was dealing out of his home and fathered two kids. Then on his 21st birthday, he and his best friend Johnny got shot. 21 Savage took six bullets, including one in his head and in his neck, but managed to make it out alive. His best friend wasn't so lucky. It was then he decided he would need to find a new career and began taking rapping seriously. Within a year and a half, he would blow up online and make it onto the XXL freshman class list. What's going on guys, my name is Michael McGredden, documenting the life and career of 21 Savage, here for you on Before They're Famous. Now a few of you may notice that this is an updated video. The first one we did actually made its way to 21 Savage, who said I got a small detail wrong. So here we are fixing it and adding more. You guys requested this video, so let me know as always who you want me to document next. But before we roll that intro, I've got an update for you, my loyal viewers. I need your help to grow this channel, and in exchange, I'm gonna get a tattoo of your picking on my ass. As you may recall, I issued a challenge for you all a few weeks back. I promised to get a butt tattoo if my sub count hit 2 million before December 1st, 2017. Well, we didn't quite make it, and I assume not because there wasn't enough love for this channel, but because you guys wanted to save my ass. Well, as much as I appreciate the sentiment, I'm a grown man and capable of making smart decisions. And that's why I'm extending this contest. If I can get 3 million subscribers by Christmas, I will get not just a butt tattoo, but a face tattoo. Specifically, the signature 21 Savage dagger, right between my eyes. So get the word out and help me blow up so I can ruin my face. Alright, now let's get into this video. It's a video. Savage 
Savage was born Shea bin Abraham Joseph on October 22, 1992. He was born in the Dominican Republic but raised in Decatur, a rough and tough neighborhood outside of Atlanta, Georgia. He grew up with four brothers and six sisters, although his younger brother Taman passed away in a shooting that took place after a drug deal. Shea's mother, Heather, was a rock of stability in his life, while his father was a crack dealer. His uncle was killed in front of their home, shot twice in the head when he was only 11 years old. 21 Savage has said it many a time that Atlanta is a savage town with people getting shot up. I'd go into more detail about his family tree and friends, but the dude has lost a ton of people. Johnny, Larry, you know what I'm saying? Tamika, TJ, Sheesh. Nino, V, well, Lorenzo, Jinjin, Loke. Man, I didn't, well, I didn't lost like too many people. Shea grew up listening to his idol Gucci Mane, also Lotto Savage, Mookie, Madri Gras, Freaky DSMG. His favorite albums included Me, My Mama and Them Roaches, Live from the Carter, Gucci Mane's East Atlanta 6, and his favorite of all is Gucci's Sun Valley. He's been his whole life robbing and hustling on the streets, getting started as far back as he can remember. He got his own hands on weed and began turning a profit at the age of 14. Man, I, I want them new shoes that Audi spoiled that motherfuckers got. That's when the niggas start jumping in the street trying to, you know what I'm saying, hustle, sell some little weed, so. While in the seventh grade at Stone Mountain Middle School, he had some beef with another dude, and when he caught word that they were planning to jump him, he decided to bring a pistol with him to school. The crew didn't need to jump him anymore. Instead, they just snitched on him and Savage got expelled from school. His mom wasn't happy and told him it was only a 10-day suspension, so he eventually went back to school. But then he got into a fight in the hallway with that exact same dude. We get to fight in the hallway. I beat his ass. My teacher come get me, and I, you know how they had a school security out there. So they take me back to the principal's office. She like, you ain't even supposed to be here anyway. From there, 21 Savage bounced between DeKalb Youth Development Center and Alternative School. One time, 21 remembers that someone once left a Snickers bar on his cot, which was a common practice to test if a kid was soft. His response was to try to beat up the very next kid that entered the room, but 21 lost that fight. He was so small at the time that he had gotten the nickname Little Man. He returned to more regular schooling in Gwinnett County in the ninth grade. There he played football while on probation, but some messing around with some chicks on a school bus got him kicked out again, and this time he was kicked out of attending any school in the county. I went to high school for like a semester, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And they were trying to kick me out. By now, he'd already established for himself a pretty successful business selling weed out of his mama's house. This would eventually expand to including selling crack and committing robberies. Things were going pretty good. He was able to eventually buy his mom a car and then get her an apartment. I think he kept the house himself. And his close boys, well, they all adopted the number 21 as their gang name. And at 16, they opted for 21 tattoos. Savage got his on the side of his face. At 19, his crew, including Johnny, Larry, Crusher, Rock, Little B, CJ, and his bro Taman, well, they all got involved with the Blots. But Savage states that he's still cool with a lot of Crips. And he doesn't care much for the long-lasting rivalry and stories between the two gangs. He refers to that as an old-school mentality. And like, oh, he a Crip. We're going to kill him. Business must have been going well because he managed to father two kids that he states today are his motivation. He had done some dabbling with rap, having made one song with his brother, and had got his hands on a Mac computer and a microphone. Probably stolen. Then his brother Taman robbed a house and found a better computer and a better microphone, so Savage set those up in his room. Definitely got them all from robbing. I just put it in my room, got on YouTube, learned how to set it up, all that sunny digital sent me to... Um, the Pro Tools, 
On his 21st birthday, he and two of his friends, Johnny and Larry, went to pick up drugs. But the situation quickly unfolded into what Shea now believes was a hit. Bullets started flying and he took six before he was able to return fire. His friends Johnny and Larry didn't make it. Not only that, Larry's mother was killed as well. Who the hell brings their mother to a pickup? My partner. Uh, when my partner and his mama got killed together, that's good. Shea and a father had a lot of thinking to do while he recovered in the hospital. They also hooked him up with Percocets. And those delicious painkillers? Well, he wasn't able to get off them just yet. He decided that his best bet at a future of success and staying alive would be if he forced his energy into rapping. A few things had changed. For one, 21 Savage had adopted the moniker of Savage, which he came up with while setting up his Instagram account. Also, he was no longer taking any shit from no one. 21 Savage got to work, he had some money which provided him with some time, but he had no label, no marketing team, no promotion team, and he just worked hard and spoke of the real street life that he had lived through. But sadly, it wasn't over. If you don't know the story of 21's knife tattoo, it's a sad one. He and his brother, they had agreed to get dagger tattoos between their thumbs and index finger, just like Tony Montana. You should see the other kid. You can't recognize him. And this? But 21's younger brother Taman rushed out and opted to have it tatted between his eyes. All of a sudden, tragedy struck again. His little brother Taman was killed on March 19, 2014. Savage hadn't yet gotten his tagger and opted to get it between his eyes in tribute to his brother. Savage also paid homage to his departed friends, Johnny, Larry, and his mother Tamika, with a giant tattoo featuring their names across his chest. 21's dirt trap anthems like Picky, a DJ plug produced single, soon became a niche classic amongst Atlanta locals for its shaky, intoxicating energy. Soon his mixtape, The Slaughter Tape, was dropping in 2015, followed by Free Goo Up, Slaughter King, and then in 2016, he would hook up with Metro Boomin' for Savage Mode. I'm just Savage Mode would include singles No Heart and X, which featured Future. Both these tracks would be certified double platinum. Also in 2016, 21 would be featured on XXL's freshman class list. The exposure would help develop even more buzz for him in the hip hop community, and 21 would soon go on to feature on tracks by artists like Drake, Mike Will, Post Malone, Big Sean, Rich Jigga, and many others. In 2017, he would drop Is the Album, which hit number two on the Billboard Hot 200 and US R&B and hip hop chart, and the US rap chart. His second studio album, Without Warning with Offset and Metro Boomin, would follow the same year. It hit number four on the Hot 200, two on the R&B and hip hop chart, and number one on the US rap chart. 21 Savage would also be making headlines in 2017 for his relationship with Amber Rose. But according to him, that relationship goes back way longer than we all even know about. We've been doing this. Yeah. Are you guys just ain't know about it. You guys met the parents yet? Yeah, it's been going on, dog. And from the looks of things, the relationship's been going pretty well. The two recently bought each other matching diamond encrusted watches. There have been engagement rumors, and she bought him a $50,000 promise ring. How cute. On top of that, there are other signs that the relationship is a healthy one. 21 Savage says she's gotten him into some healthy habits, like taking vitamins and drinking water. She told TMZ, I demand sex every day for my boyfriend. It's very healthy. It's a healthy relationship. I'm actually surprised at the men she picks. You know, Wiz Khalifa, 21 Savage, very skinny guys. And she's a whole lot of woman. Anyway, good for that. As for the rest of the story, well, we'll have to wait and see because this is before they're famous. My name's Mike McCredden. We're working through all your requests on who to do next. Let me know who you'd like to see featured on this channel. 
You can hit me up in the comment section or via Instagram at McCruddenM. 21 Savage, if you're watching this video, don't shoot me. I hope you enjoyed it. I look forward to working with you in the future. I'm fucked. Boom! <laughs> I demand sex every day for my boyfriend. It's very healthy. Are you a survivor of sexual abuse while in the Boy Scouts? You may be entitled to compensation. As a result of thousands of victims filing sexual abuse claims, the Boy Scouts have filed for bankruptcy protection, and the bankruptcy court has set November 16, 2020 as the deadline for abuse survivors to file a claim. If you are a survivor of sexual abuse while in the Boy Scouts, you may be entitled to compensation. Call 800-711-9655. That's 800-711-9655 for more information. Your call is completely confidential. Sponsored by Mark J. Byrne and Partners, LLC. After my heart attack, cash from active care meant I had choices. When I had cancer, cash from active care meant I didn't need to stress so much about money. What is active care? Active care is a supplemental health insurance policy that offers protection for covered cancer, heart attack, or stroke, and a choice of cash benefit options from $10,000 to $60,000. If you're diagnosed with cancer, a heart attack, or stroke, you could end up paying thousands of dollars or more in out-of-pocket medical bills. Active care gives you protection at an affordable price. So get active care for cash, choice, and control. Active Care is brought to you by Colonial Penn Life Insurance Company and is underwritten by Washington National Insurance Company. Visit colonialpen.com for more information. This is a limited benefit policy. This policy has limitations and exclusions. For costs and complete details of coverage, visit colonialpen.com.
Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of KLP Entertainment, Lucas Nation Worldwide. We are live from uh, Swanky Studios. This is the Lucas Chat Podcast with your host, KLP Kennedy Lucas, y'all. Welcome back to the show, y'all. I'll be honest. <laughs> I got really excited. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm looking at my producer like, Kennedy, what the hell? Like, what you, how you butcher the intro? Welcome back to the Lucas Chat Podcast live from Swank Studios. We're now streaming on iHeartRadio, Pandora, uh, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, Dizzer. We're, we're pretty much everywhere, y'all. So, welcome back to the Lucas Chat Podcast. Hopefully, you guys are ready for another exciting show. Happy Friday. Uh, it's, it's payday, you know. <laughs> I, you know, payday is always good, man. You know, we like to take care of our our people here at KLP Entertainment. So, before we get on to the fun announcements today, and this one's actually might be fun because I'll be feeling like a kid inside when I'm when when I talk about this. You probably guys probably know about this certain uh, topic because by the hints of the title, but I'm gonna go further in detail on what I think. Um, but first, let's handle some KLP Entertainment news. Please be sure to follow all of our social medias, of course. We've been working on some really cool animation. So if you guys haven't been seeing the series of the Max Payne story and the Mass Effect story, that's two series on our Instagram, IGTV to be exact, and also our YouTube. That's a series, two series you don't want to miss. Now, yes, it is from the original story of the games of uh, Max Payne 3 and Max Effect Andromeda, but here at KLP Entertainment to introduce our new engine from Element Industries, a KLP entertainment company. They do some really good tech stuff over there, and I'm glad to seek my, not only my money, but my knowledge and you know my, my, my title to them, so that way they can work with us and create some really dope videos. Now, with Element Arts, by Element uh, Industries, we've worked on a new engine, new animation engine to uh, reproduce and go back to you guys. And some people, not even some, a lot of people really like what we're doing because it's a different visual concepts of storytelling that we're trying to portray. And there's more things that's coming with uh, that's coming with uh, Element Arts, of course, the powered by the engine that is. Of course, we've got. Vita, that's by Element Industries. They was working on some really cool stuff there. Of course, um, Previs. Previs is kind of an app, but we're going to use Previs and we're going to uh, do some things with using our Element uh, Arts engine. So that's coming very, very soon. Of course, Mosaic is a partnership with Element Industries. Of course, we're going to be doing some dope stuff there too. So a lot of cool animations and film stuff that we're doing uh, that's coming up later on in our future. Um, we will not look to our past, even though our past was awesome. We're looking forward to the future and all the things that we're implementing from KLP Entertainment. This is a year of growth, a year of us, and you know I cannot be so happy about my staff members and my exec members that are, are a part of KLP Entertainment. Um, you guys, day-to-day operations, you guys make this happen, uh, and I'm proud to be CEO and owner because... Um, if you asked me 10 years ago about some of the things we're doing now, you know, uh, that's the only regret. I wish we were doing this stuff back then, so that way we can do some really dope stuff now. But, you know, it comes with a budget, it comes with investments, it comes with uh, getting known, it, it comes with a lot of things we're building a media label. So, um, you know, I'm happy about it. I'm really 
really happy about what we got going on. It's very, very, very exciting, uh, to say the least. And I'm very happy about that, of course. Um, more to come from KOP Entertainment and Swanky Studios later on this week. So please just follow our Facebook accounts, follow our YouTube, follow our Instagram, follow everything. So that way you don't miss exclusive content for sure, of course. So we are partnered by... You Grind, a partnership sponsorship for today's show. Of course, You Grind is officially available on our KLP East store. They're a, they're a good fashion clothing line. Um, we'll offer uh, promotion codes for our discount. So if you are feeling fancy to shop, of course, you guys can go up there to the KLP East store. All you got to do is really Google it. You know, we <laughs> not trying to boost ourselves, but, you know, we're available on Google. I mean, Google made it possible for us to be known out there. So KLP Store is available, the KLP Store and Warehouse. So that way you guys get your shopping on. So let's get on to the fun announcement stuff. I'm sorry, y'all, that we had to spill out the KLP Entertainment News the first five minutes of the show. But well, let's get on to this fun stuff. And guys, <laughs> this makes me want a Nintendo Switch. Um... Okay, so Nintendo's newest Mario Kart is the best video game you never knew you wanted to play. Okay, there's a script here, and my producer Tyrus tells me, hey, make sure you read from the script. But this is so cool, y'all. Okay, so Switch made this thing, this new Mario Kart game, where you get like these little... um, I want to say the little uh, pole banners. Uh, I want to say that I don't know what what it's called officially. The poles, you place them around in your house, and using a toy like it's kind of like, it's a toy. It's a Mario Kart. He's Mario in his cart. It's a little small little toy with a camera inside, and it uses that camera to create augmented reality uh, to create a track in your house, so you can race in your house in Mario Kart. The dopest thing I've seen since sliced bread. I, and I'm not hyping them up. I don't work for Nintendo, even though it would be fun if I did work for Nintendo. But it is the coolest thing that I've seen in a long time in video games. So, it's so cool. You guys just watch the trailer. It's, it's the coolest thing, of course. Um, this makes me want to switch because I feel like... I feel like you can't just do this in your house. I feel like you can do this pretty much everywhere. Like, the whole world could be a track. It's the coolest thing. Okay. So by Nintendo, by now Nintendo has made exactly uh, 87 million versions of Mario Kart since the game was first introduced in 1992 for the Super Nintendo. Okay, the company has really made their team, which is still a lot. It, it is a lot of Mario Kart games they made. It's a franchise. But uh, a new sequel coming this fall for Nintendo Switch changes the formula, formula, excuse me, formula in an exciting way. Uh, thanks to Super... Excuse me, I can't read the script today. I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> super uh, Experimental UX, Mario Kart Live Home Circuit transformed the Nintendo Switch into a controller for an actual toy race car. The kart is fitted uh, with a camera, giving the players first-person view, which is cool. It's a first-person view uh, on the trailer. That's cool. I'm glad they're doing something like that because it, it, the visuals look good that way. Um, so that way you can see your whole living room. Um, for the perspective, as it uh, wheezes around your living room, bedroom, and where uh, wherever you have some open floor plan space to play. How does the game build your course? Of course, you place a few gates. Gates. This is called gates, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I said I said like uh, marking poles. I didn't know what it, what to call them, but gates. They're called gates. Um, few gates uh, that are bundled with the game on the floor. 
for there, how to exact setup and customize works is unclear yet. Perhaps a visual vision AI is involved. But Nintendo demonstrates a few separate tracks in the trailer. From a simple oval to a complicated curves can be set up to avoid uh, existing couches, coffee tables, and perhaps even sleeping cats. So it's so cool. I've seen it. It is, and I'm watching it now. It, my producers have the video up. It is so cool because you have the gates around your whole house. And I can only imagine what kind of creative content that people are going to do while creating this thing. As you race your cart around the course, uh, all sorts of augmented reality effects ranges from glowing boundaries to power-ups to racing your competitors will appear on the screen as if they exist in your actual home. If you run over the virtual item, uh, like a nitro boosting mushroom, the cart will actually uh, will actually accelerate. If you have a troublesome banana peel, the cart will actually lose control. And oh, assuming you have friends with their own games, up to four people, four players, can place their uh, carts together in the same space. It's so cool, y'all. It's the coolest thing, I would say, since sliced bread. This is something that they're doing. So based off the video I'm seeing, you place your gates around, and then you do kind of a drive-through of all four gates, so that way it can pinpoint where uh, the cart, where you're going to race your cart. Now, you will need to open... Uh, space plan for this I wouldn't try to recommend doing this in a closed space let's say maybe an office um, but if you have that open space that would be really cool to do um, I am very excited to see how far the gates can spread because if the gates can spread really far then you can potentially if it's safe to do so you can potentially take this up to another area and you can play on a big course. Now, I say that with safety because I wouldn't say don't do this at like a park because you, someone might just pick it up and try to steal it. But if you have a place that is super huge and it's yours and it's enclosed and you rented it out, then you can, you know, race on there. This will be, this is a cool idea. Um, I am, I am for this. This makes me want to switch. Um, fortunately, I'm kind of leaning towards the PlayStation 5, so I'm kind of saving up for that. But this makes me want to switch because of this innovative, cool idea. And there again, they, and I said this is the last podcast, but you have lemons and you're making lemonade. <laughs> That's my official slogan, I guess, because I say that pretty much in every podcast. But this is a cool idea. It really is a cool idea because Nintendo's having taken what they got and they're making lemon, lemonade out of it. You, you know people are quarantined from COVID-19, so they thought of a very creative idea to bring something at home so that way you're not bored. It, it's genius, honestly. Very, very genius. Now we're going to play the first two minutes of music here for the Lucas Chat podcast, of course, and we'll be right back to close up our show. Stay tuned here on the Lucas Chat podcast. Thank you. 
Welcome back, of course, Lucas Chat Podcast with your host, KLP Kennedy Lucas, of course. Hopefully you guys enjoyed today's show. I love doing these shows because, you know, I'm able to bring something very innovative for the audio platforms and you guys really enjoy uh, our shows that we've been doing. It's been it's been fun. I really have been enjoying this and, you know, I can't wait for future podcasts to come up later up. Of course, please be sure to follow all of our social media accounts, whether that's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube everywhere follow us everywhere so that way you don't miss new content from us for sure let me know what you think about today's news do you like that new mario kart game it's gonna be phenomenal i think that's gonna do it for of course the lucas chat podcast for sure please be sure to uh share this everywhere again please share it everywhere because we we do our thing here we we love it so that's gonna do it lucas chat podcast klp kennedy lucas stay swanky and stay safe Keep listening to our weekly episodes to find out more. Today's episode of Who Weekly is brought to you by the new four-part Showtime documentary series, Love Fraud. Vox says it's like the jinx, but better. Better. It's better. So true crime fans, listen up. For years, Richard Scott Smith, a real-life comment, has preyed on dozens of unsuspecting women. First, he stole their hearts. Then he stole their money, leaving them with nothing and ghosting them forever. Now, his victims have banded together to seek revenge. And with a tough-as-nails bounty hunter on their side, a crazy cat-and-mouse chase unfolds in real time. I love crazy cat-and-mouse chases. I love them. Will they catch him? They better. The Hollywood Reporter calls this series, quote, a twisty, expectation-defying story. Love Fraud is now streaming only on Showtime. You will drive it. Welcome to Who Weekly, the podcast where you'll learn everything you need to know about the celebrities you don't. I'm Bobby Finger. I'm Lindsay Weber. And do you remember this iconic noise? Do you remember what that noise is? Oh, I do. I put it in the last episode. It's Marie Osmond falling down at her one of her Vegas shows right before she started hosting The Talk. Which she just left. After one year. She quit this morning. This morning she quit. Or early, late last night she quit. Did it say why? Did she give a reason why? She said... Do you, the noise of that fall has to be... It's. It can't be real. Of course. Fake a sound effects. It's like some guy in a studio with like shoes on his hands, like making a noise. It's the guy in the Foley studio trying to make a fake falling noise, but he accidentally falls and just like tumbles too loudly. And then he gets he gets it and he's like, cut that. Perfect. That's <laughs> exactly what I wanted. Okay, this is the CBS statement yeah. per deadline. Yeah. Marie is a consummate professional and we thank her for sharing That's her personal true. experiences. <laughs> That's true. That's true. She is. She is a consummate professional, and we thank her for sharing her personal experiences, insight, as well as incredible talents with our audience. We will miss her humor, kindness, and good nature, and wish her much success okay, in her future endeavors. Why? Did she say why? Is it like, I want to spend more time with my family? I hate Sharon Osbourne. Like, what's the reason? It's like, I should, I could not give a shit about these shows until somebody leaves. Like, I just don't care. And then somebody leaves and I'm like, what's the tea? I must know. <laughs> she recently wrote about having an empty nest finally. Like, she said she just dropped her last two kids off at college. 
So maybe it's like, oh, we get to we get to have some alone time for the first time. Who knows? Okay. The point is, well, bye, Marie. in my tribute to Marie Osmond's time on the talk, never forget the first episode where she was revealed alongside Sharon Osbourne's new face. It was like the new face, like the new face and Sharon's new face. <laughs> I think there's a clip for that somewhere, too. Oh. And speaking of um, a new things, Sharon, <laughs> Sharon, <laughs> you look very refreshed. Yes. Yeah. Five weeks today that mm -hmm. I had my operation. What's also funny is like Marie Osmond looks like she's 25 years old. So like <laughs> we're not like talking about like this like random fresh faced face at the table. It's like the table is aware. The, <laughs> the show table is called knows. The Talk. What, are they, what else are they supposed to talk about? <laughs> you know? I know. I was looking at clips of Marie Osmond because I was trying to find the, the tumble. The mm -hmm. Marie Osmond takes a tumble clip. I didn't clip hear the noise on the episode. There was a great... Oh, I put it there. It was. It's brutal. You can't forget it once you hear it. It echoes in your brain. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a clip of them doing like dream boards that had been clearly... Or vision boards. Sorry. Vision boards that had been clearly made by interns. Like they mm -hmm. were clearly like not made by the women. I mean, I don't know why I would think they would be, but they were clearly made by... And one of Marie's was like skydiving. <laughs> she was like... <laughs> Like, I'm near death, so I might as well just fucking skydive. Okay. <laughs> I wonder who they'll replace her with. I feel like the talk skews a little older as well. It definitely does. So it's definitely we'll the see. most random one. And there's only like a few. <laughs> like the chew isn't even really on anymore. And it's like, so the talk is pretty random. You are listening to Who's There, a weekly call intro where we take your questions, comments, and concerns at 619 Who Them. We're going to start with some comments. Okay, so a lot of you called in about movies you watched in high school, even though we didn't solicit these. I, I, even I listened though we to didn't them. solicit as if no, we I have to it. solicit. It was, <laughs> it was, there were so many, and I listened to them, and they were funny little personal stories. So I personally got a lot of enjoyment out of them. Thank you for calling. But there were a handful that made me laugh out loud that I want to play. Okay. And um, I want to hear Selena one, I'm going to cut the, Selena one It didn't actually make me laugh. A lot of people called about, they were like, Bobby, you're from Texas. Didn't you watch Selena a lot? Yes, I did. But these three killed me. Here's, here's one, two, three. Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. You guys are talking about um, movies you watched in school. Um, this memory came back to me. My junior year, our organic chemistry teacher, who was like the tiniest, sweetest little like suburban mom woman. This was an organic chemistry. We watched Fight Club. <laughs> and she, because I think there's like some side plot where they're like making soap. And I guess she thought that was connected enough to organic chemistry. She basically was like, don't snitch on me. We're going to watch Fight Club. And like, I'm pretty sure it's rated R. But yeah, so we watched Fight Club and organic chemistry. Uh, me inside, indoors, me indoors. But that's a cool ass teacher that's a cool teacher and then there's this hi Lindsay bobby i just had to pause the podcast when you guys were talking about movies that you watched in school um because it brought up such an intense memory for me that i locked away for a very long time um i went to catholic school from kindergarten through eighth grade and in seventh grade we were going on this field trip to an ice rink and we were on one of these like really nice coach buses that had TVs and stuff. And my teacher decided it would be a really good idea to play um, <laughs> the exorcism of Emily Rose for seventh graders. And she framed it as a documentary because we were in Catholic school. It was one of the worst times 
of my life, a horrible trip. I ended up throwing up actually, but it was that it was not because of the movie, it was because of something else. But um yeah. The Exorcism of Emily Rose as a documentary in a Catholic school. Thanks for bringing that one up for me. And then the caller says they threw up, but because of something else. And I was like, did you get exercised? <laughs> like, what? That teacher, like, knew what she was doing. Like, she wanted you to quit Catholicism. She was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> she either wanted you to quit it or decide you were all in for the rest of your life. Like, <laughs> you, she wanted you to have an extreme the, reaction. I actually haven't seen it. I've just seen the trailer. It looks scary. It, the Exorcism of Emily Rose is actually, like, a very unpleasant spooky spooky movie is it supposed to look like a documentary too no but the thing about it is it's like based on a true story and there's like a yeah. court case and stuff and so so, it, so you could think it was a true story i'm pretty sure laura linney is in it so it's like i don't know this kid <laughs> <laughs> okay not like, everyone hello, knows laura that laura linney. linney well not everyone knows at age seventh grade that laura linney's an actress <laughs> to like separate truth from fiction She's so you good. i know you she falls would. into the character she falls into her roles Bobby screams from the back of the bus. That's Laura Linney. This isn't a documentary. <laughs> no, if I were watching that in seventh grade, I mean, that came out when I was like almost 20 years old. But um, okay, true. If, if I were watching that when I was in seventh grade, I would fully be with the one vomiting. Um, okay. Then this last one, short call. I, I cannot believe this teacher. Like God bless every teacher in the country for coming up with justifications like this. We love teachers. <laughs> Hi, Lindsay, Bobby. This is the exact kind of call that you don't want, but because uh, it's fully comment based. But um, my best school movie watching experience was in high school. I took a personal finance class, and we watched Catch Me If You Can because the teacher said that it was about writing checks. So there's that. Crunch, crunch. <laughs> well, it's not not about writing checks. I know. Where's the lie, really? It does do like a like a um like a who are the guys who make the movie where they explain the the financial no oh, god crash? Adam McKay the Big Short. It does do a Big Short thing of explaining how he forges, but it's not interesting how he forges. He forges like using a check making machine. Well, he it's forges. Not like... He forges in a way you could only forge in like the fifties. Like you can't right, forge like you, because he like, like oh he like bought a piece of technology that right. like was hard to come by. Oh, he like wiped <laughs> off ink. Okay, right, right. It's not like actually about like the Big Short. Actually, is a movie that you could show in school because it does explain some things, even though. It's weird. Like, this one is not quite explaining how to write a check, which actually God. I really could have learned the information on how to write a check in high school, just so I knew, because I didn't know when it came time to have to write a check. That would be my Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> blurb on the big short. It would just say, it's a movie you could show in school because it does explain some things. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big short. Uh, the big short. It would be funny to have, like, if your friend was a teacher and they came to you and they were like, I got to show a movie. Here's what we're, the subject is. And for you to find the most, the, a movie that touches upon it but isn't really about it at all. Like, that'd be a fun. Um, a exercise? Fun, yeah. Yeah. A fun brain exercise. Like, chemistry. What would you show? October Sky. <laughs> October Sky. You just desperate to show October. <laughs> Movies about political turmoil. Dave. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I would actually show Dave. I think that's a sick movie. Me teaching kids over Zoom during the Trump administration and a coronavirus pandemic. We're watching Dave. 
if you keep focused on the far right quadrant of the screen, you'll be able to watch Dave, the 1995 political comedy, <laughs> the Capra-esque political comedy starring Kevin Klein and uh, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. I would play Dave and the American president at the same time with captions, and you'd, you would, could choose what you want to pay attention to. Oh, and I'd play the first daughter as well. No, I think it's hard. Those are easy ones because there's always movies about yeah, there's presidents. there's always politics. Yeah. What about like your art class if you were like a particularly lazy art teacher? Oh, like some biopic of like a painter. Which one? Just choose yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the Danish girl? Pollock, Pollock, Frida, the Danish girl, Basquiat. Oh, Frida's a good one. Frida's Frida a, probably Oh, it's too Frida. sexy. It's too sexy. Well, the thing about most art biopics is that they're too sexy. There's like, right. they're sexy. Right. Okay. But that's what, but I, that would be the real fun. That'd be Frida's the real catch of it sexy. all. <laughs> Frida's it is. Standing up there with the poster board. Oh, someone else called in and said they also watched the Franco Zeffirelli, Romeo and Juliet, and that the teacher oh. forgot to cover up the screen whenever the person got naked, and it was like extremely It's also scandalous. funny. I forgot that that Romeo and Juliet, though, like, yes, they get naked, but the whole time his tights are so tight. It is basically pornographic. Like, <laughs> it's like watching a ballet documentary. Mm-hmm. Like, the tights are tight, you know? Mm-hmm. Sorry. Sorry to get everyone all excited. Okay, let's move on. We're yeah, let's move on. Okay, this call's great. This call's great. Hi, Who Weekly. Long time, long time. I was just listening to Friday's episode uh, where you're talking about Alden Ehrenreich. And uh, one, I'm a stan of him for sure. Um, But two, something pretty interesting to know about uh, Alden is that he was discovered by none other than uh, Steven Spielberg. And he was actually discovered by him because Spielberg saw him in a video at a friend's bar mitzvah where he was wearing some kimono or something, something weird. And uh, he thought that Alden was hilarious and thought he would be the next great comedic actor, um, which obviously did not happen. Um, so sad, sad for Alden. Um, the other kind of random thing that I can tell you about Alden is that I once saw him when I was picking up a salad on my way to the Hollywood Bowl about six months after he uh, <clears throat> had the bomb that was uh, solo, and uh, he just looked really sad. So, poor Alden. All right, women don't belong in balloons. Crunch, crunch. So, like, when you saw Alden looking sad about solo while holding a salad, is that when you decided to stand? Like, this oh, I reminds guess I me. Have to stand. This reminds me of that tweet from the other day from at S. Coog, and it says, the MF really said I'm going to be in a million movies, but absolutely refused to be famous. And it's just three <laughs> pictures of Patrick, Patrick Wilson. Wilson. <laughs> and then Patrick Wilson retweeted it and was like, damn, like you got me or something. But it's just, it's just fun. It's, just fun. it's unlikely standing is funny. Mm-hmm. He really caught a moment. I'm going to quote Alden Ehrenreich uh, in an interview with Rolling Stone. He's talking about, it, excuse me, caller, it was a bot mitzvah, not a bar mitzvah. So How check rude. your facts. It was actually my bot mitzvah. <laughs> Just kidding. Didn't you get mercury poisoning at your bot mitzvah or a different No, party? at my graduation okay, party. I've, I've confused these events before. That's not a story before. for this pod. <laughs> <laughs> I've confused these stories before, I think. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's so funny. Okay. <laughs> Okay. okay, that's okay. for the Patreon, and okay. I think I already told it. <laughs> okay, Rolling Stone says he was just 14. He made uh, just a video for his – it was his friend's bat mitzvah, so he made a video. The video played. Oh, yeah, that was a classic bar and bat mitzvah thing where you got up and you performed or whatever. Steven Spielberg's daughter, Sasha, Sasha. knew the girl who was having her bat mitzvah, so Steven Spielberg came as well. 
Alden Ehrenreich says, it's a piece of shit talking about the video. It's a video that this girl asked us to do. I mean, there wasn't a script. We would just go film whatever made us laugh. I'm this 14-year-old skinny little kid with long hair. I break into her house. I try on her clothes. I make up a song. All of this literally just taking a camera going like, okay, haha, do this. We showed it to our parents. We're going to play this at her bat mitzvah. And they were like, you'll look like an idiot in this. I don't think you should do that. We didn't care. Spielberg was impressed with Ehrenreich's performance and gave him a meeting at DreamWorks. That's wild. Then he introduced him to Francis Ford Coppola, who gave him his first big break in that movie, Tetro. That's crazy. That is crazy. Fun related, fun related fact. I saw Theo Spielberg on Hinge and I did a swipe right. That's the good way, right? Yeah. The, I, Theo I was like, Spielberg. Hey. But I recognized him immediately and I was like, I'm the only one who's out here being like, that's Theo. That's Theo Spielberg. Anyways, he's cute. Isn't he in a band? He's a DJ, but oh, like a him DJ. and, but he, no, I think he was, mm, I, think I thought he, he was like, in a was, band with his sister. With, with he Sasha. was in a band with his sister and he also at one point was a DJ. Anyways, he's cute. Name a child of a famous actor who is not a DJ, at least for like a weekend. You well, know? that's why I'm like, that's why I'm thinking he was a DJ, but I might be mixing him up with another one. He definitely does music with his sister or mm-hmm. and separate from his sister. Anyways. Hey, Lindsay, Bobby. Very long time, very first time calling. Uh, just had to pause the episode when you guys were talking about Sutton Place. Uh, I actually live in Sutton Place. Um, it's very old money, although I am by no means old money. Uh, just your good old average person. Um, but it's like very historic townhouses, like very old, old, old money, like Vanderbilt style. Um, it's the type of place where like you see like Annette Benning going for runs. It's actually very fun to live over here. And... Uh, Secretly has the best view of the Macy's fireworks. Anyway, good form, Bella Thorne. Bye. The fireworks switch off between, so so some years, yes, the best view, and some years. Right? Because doesn't it change? I don't, I think it might be, I think it may be permanently in the East River now. Because oh, interesting. Because uh, when I went to the fireworks, one, the one and only time I went to the fireworks in a, like 11 years of living here, and I was like, this is miserable. I got, I yeah. was like, I got there early with my idiot friends. And then when you get there early, guess what? Guess when you leave, you leave at like 4 a.m. because you can't get out of there. Right. But I think they're permanently in the East River now, which means Annette Benning has the best view. That's incredible for her. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. I feel like Annette Benning. we were just talking about her because she's in The Sopranos. We were doing an <laughs> episode for the Patreon and she comes up in a dream sequence and he goes, you bet Annette Benning." She shakes her head. Yes. <laughs> I like that we're making fun of this neighborhood and someone calls in hitting every single button where it's like we're not even every single button, just one good one saying like, actually, don't make fun of this neighborhood. Annette Benning goes on runs here. I'm immediately like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, yes, OK, I won't. And you're right. And how dare we? You know, like if that's where Annette Benning lives, <laughs> then. Lindsay, Bobby, thank you for covering Nisi Nash's marriage to Jessica Betts. It led me down a rabbit hole, which is I, too, am planning a very gay surprise wedding at the end of this month um, and trying to figure out, you know, what COVID-compliant type of uh, song are we going to have for our first dance, which will be the only dancing occurring. So uh, right now, the choices are at uh, that Jessica Betts uh, song, the Catch Me one that he played. Um, We also have... uh, uh, Fleetwood Mac song in the mix of Songbird, uh, Stevie Nicks Crystal, and then, of course, uh, you know, a nice Mandy Moore Only Hope. Um, <laughs> I know you won't play this, 
but I thought, oh, and also uh, Sixpence None the Richer, there she goes. Um, yeah, I know you won't play this, but I really thought you'd want to know how much you inspired the choices to our wedding song. Okay, Leanne Glebee. Congratulations. Have you considered our theme song? <laughs> or just gay. play Eve. Or just play Eve, you know. Who's that like, who's girl? Who's that girl? Just the original, you know? I think that she's a very talented singer-songwriter, but it is funny that you're putting Jessica Betts up against Fleetwood Mac as like a... It's like, well, either or, and then sixpence none the richer. Nisi's impact. Yes, Jessica Betts is the talent here, but as in the singer, but Nisi putting that on her Instagram Huge. story, I think is actually going to bump up those streams. I hope so. She deserves it. And congratulations. And thanks for doing it COVID compliant, caller. <laughs> um, speaking of music, speaking of music, this I think will go down as a top call of all time. When but you to have to explain like what it is. Or no. Let's let the listeners figure out what's happening here because okay. I want them to go through the same experience both of us did because I heard this, had a little mini breakdown, sent it to Lindsay, who I think went through the exact same thought process it took I me a did. Because it, took it me takes a, a second. little bit to figure out what's going on here. Okay, listen, play it. listen. Speaking of music. Well, I figured I'd make it big. Just try to forget about the things you did. Baby, it's harder than it looks. Making all this money and dodging crooks. I bought the kind of big house he used to hate. Got property and dogs and a privacy gate. Everything is easy, everything is fun. If life is a lottery, well, honey, I won. Do you see me on TV? Do you remember how things used to be? Well, I know things have changed, but if you call me now, hell, you know just what I'd say. I got lost in my backyard, spent too long staring at the stars, trying to pretend I can get a real with my fancy cars and expensive shoes. What have I got to do to get you out of my head? And into my arms or into my bed. Crunch, crunch. That is like, actually upon like third listen, it gets better. Like if Kane Brown doesn't like buy this song, like somehow figure out how to buy the rights to this song and release it. Truly. And it's if anyone, crazy. if any of y'all down there in Nashville Have any want to be connected to this caller, let me know and I will set the two of you up. That's happened before. We've gotten a call that was like, hey, I think I can offer this one caller a job. Can you connect me so I can get their resume? And we did it. And it was tight. And I think they got an interview. I'm not sure if they got the job. but I think they got an interview. The uh, What's so great about that interpretation of Kane Brown's concept of lost in my own backyard (laughs) is that she turned it into like like a missing you a love thing song. yeah like a love song like he's like fuck you i'm buying a big house and then i got i was so in love with you that i got distracted by the stars and i got lost <sighs> in my backyard wow like it's a beautiful fuck. song that was gorgeous you should be on that tv show the songwriter tv show oh the one with shane McAnally, who's on my shit list yeah, yeah. i know i know he is <laughs> He was coming t- off that shit list. Really, things have changed. T- the tides have turned. But uh, I think that was so, so good. And yeah, I, that was really great. And we have high standards for that stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Just really good. 
I don't even I don't even have anything like silly to say. That was even phenomenal. the music <laughs> of it, the musicality of it was interesting and good. This is a Kane Brown song. It's also sort of Kane Brown fan fiction. The way that like they insert the narrative of Kane Brown's wife not wanting a big house. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> it's true. It's okay, true. that's lovely. Okay, we can move on to questions. Holy gorgeous, shit! Gorgeous, I'm just gorgeous. I'm really just blown away by that. Oh, I know. Talent. You play it the again. Talent. We can you play it again at the end of the episode? Too? Yeah, I'll play it again at the end. Of the, if you want to hear it again, we'll play it at the end of the episode. Okay. Oh my god. I mean, you can also rewind. <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> But like you don't have to. We'll play it again. This is digital. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to questions. Today's episode of Who Weekly is brought to you by the new four-part Showtime documentary series, Love Fraud. Vox says it's like the jinx, but better. Better. It's better. So true crime fans, listen up. For years, Richard Scott Smith, a real-life comment, has preyed on dozens of unsuspecting women. First, he stole their hearts. Then he stole their money, leaving them with nothing and ghosting them forever. Now, his victims have banded together to seek revenge. And with a tough-as-nails bounty hunter on their side, a crazy cat-and-mouse chase unfolds in real time. I love crazy cat-and-mouse chases. I love them. Will they catch him? They better. The Hollywood Reporter calls this series, quote, a twisty expectation-defying story. Love Fraud is now streaming only on Showtime. Hi, Lindsay Bobby. What's going on with uh, David Blaine and the balloon thing? Also, is he a them? Okay, magicians don't belong in balloons. This magician certainly went in a balloon up style, Pixar up style, not, not the aeronaut style, which is iconic because that was actually safer. That would be a safer option for him, uh, even though it's not a safe option for anyone. I didn't really hear anyone talking about it at the time, but apparently it broke like YouTube records. Like people were seriously watching this special live. Like it was a three hour long YouTube exclusive live stream special. It was the most watched YouTube Originals live event ever. But also, well, that's saying, that doesn't, that what's doesn't that mean... saying? How many YouTube Original live exactly. events? Exactly. They got good press out of this because I think it could be misconstrued as the most watched live event ever on YouTube, but it wasn't. It was just the most watched live event on YouTube under the YouTube Originals umbrella. Yeah. And also the other thing that was kind of interesting about it is that it was supposed to be in New York, but due to weather, they changed it to Arizona, which like is kind of, it's not cheating because he still did it, but it's also like landing in New York is a lot more complicated than landing just like in a desert, you mm-hmm. know, because mm-hmm. what ended up, what he did was they, they strapped him to a bunch of balloons. He floated up and then he parachuted down, which like yeah. is no small feat, but it is definitely just like, I would say what he did last time was more intense. Like what's the illusion? There's no illusion. You're not a magician. You're an illusionist. But this isn't even an illusion. Right. But this and the scariest had nothing to do with how because I thought it was like, oh, he could fall. But it actually had more to do with how high he went because they didn't know how high he could go. Like they didn't know because basically like you go higher and you lose oxygen Oxygen. and you could get fucked up. And so like they didn't really know how high he would go with these balloons because it was not really controlled. And then he parachuted down. But I think he wasn't he he reached 24 thousand nine hundred feet about 4.7 miles before parachuting safely to the ground believed to be the highest anyone has ever flown via cluster ballooning well who else is fucking doing this <laughs> of course it is okay he's so lame he's so lame i'm so mad at this um anyway that's what happened i just felt we needed to give an update since we talked about it Ugh, he sucks <laughs> this call we received on august 31st Guys, you can't complain about it. it's not coming from ideas. When I called two weeks ago and said to look at Diedrich Bader's Instagram, did you do it? Go do it. 
Did you did you go did back you and do find it? Do it. Did you go back and find the original call? The call, yeah. The call sort of broke up at the beginning, but they were saying that, like, you complained about us not calling with original questions, and yet, True. do you remember? So I f- Googled the person's, I you can, the way you can search in Google Voice is like, My I, phone I, number. I searched the person's phone number, and sure enough, they called a few weeks prior on August 5th with uh-huh. this. I do like you holding us accountable. Hey, Lindsay and Bobby, it's Alex. Very long time, extremely long time. Um, I just need everyone to go to Instagram right now and look up the Instagram account of one Diedrich Bader. Um, he's a character actor. You will recognize his face if you Googled him. He's been in um, the Drew Carey show and uh, Napoleon Dynamite. He's got a very deep voice. Uh, his Instagram is crazy, and I almost don't want to spoil it. I just want you to, like, look it up for yourself. And just have the experience. Almost just let it wash over you. It's, it's a good time. You're going to enjoy it. Okay. That's all I needed to say. He's a who. Like, you don't even need to debate it. He's a who. That's just, that's what it is. Um, ScarJo, her wedding is canceled. Goodbye. That was a twist. Thank you so much for calling us back to say, how dare you ask for good calls when I gave you one that you didn't play. Which, fair. Because when we went to the Instagram, you were right. It's just a full, delightful experience. It's not unexpected in a bad way. It's unexpected in a, oh, nice way. In a nice you know? way. In a so nice way. So can you reveal way. reveal what it is or tell us what it is? So Diedrich Bader, who is, as the caller said, um, iconic character actor. Yeah, I guess iconic. Just because Diedrich is in mm, one sure. million things. I guess iconic. I don't know. That's using iconic a little bit. space, to yeah. leap, to better things, as Lindsay said. Love him in better just, things. I mean, look at, to um, Bojack Horseman, just look at his INDB. It's one of those INDBs that just like goes on and on and on and on. Anyway, his Instagram is exclusively photos of flowers in his garden. In his garden. He has this like enormous, beautiful backyard garden. It's a little unclear because they're very like macro lensy, like they're close up. And you can sometimes see the house and the the extent of the land. But it looks like he has like an actual humongous garden filled with flowers that he has cultivated. I mean, he has so many different types of flowers. Like it's not just like the same flower. It's like very much amazing varietals, like so many varietals. It's not just daisies, daisies, daisies. God, oh my God. If you look through and it's like, what are these? And he names them sometimes, uh, but usually it's the commenters who were like, they oh, well, that's, a, that's a something something. That's so nice. Sometimes he'll say, just just taking a walk in my garden. My daughter took this one, but usually they're just captionless and he just Aww. lets us bask in the beauty of, you know, flowers. Nice. It's a good it's use nice. of Instagram for a celebrity because it's like you're not getting caught up anything. You don't have to. There's no. You have your thing. You do your thing. There's no. You don't have to promote anything. Fine. Here are no. just a bunch of flowers. Just take a photo of your flowers. I was also Googling for instances of him talking about gardening and I saw this reply guy, Diedrich Bader. Padma Lakshmi tweeted on March 4th. Like, remember March 4th? Imagine tweeting this before the pandemic. Um, right. March 4th. Like, do you even know what's to come? What are some things you do to preserve your mental health? An inquiring mind, me, wants to know. Diedrich responded, gardening. <laughs> Little did they know. It's so funny that Padma was like, I need to preserve my mental hey, health every- on March 4th. It's like, <laughs> do you ever? 
Someone I saw a tweet referring to today as March 185th, and I was no, like, oh my God. <laughs> that is so. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Okay, next call. Speaking of delightful calls, this is a delightful episode, I think. Okay. It is so far. So I, I found out today that Gabourey Sidibe's um, boyfriend works at Cameo, but Gabourey Sidibe is, herself is not on Cameo, but her cat, Aaron, is, which is wild. Um, and only one of her cats. I think she has two now. Anyway, obviously, I think everyone involved in this is a who. Discuss. Stay inside. Bye. Stay inside as a sign off is funny. The pause there was as though the caller was trying to think of a clever way of saying stay inside and then decided like, <laughs> fuck it. Stay inside. <laughs> yes, to answer your questions at random, Gabrielle Sidibe is a who, I would say. I agree with that. I would say totally that her a who. boyfriend is not even a who because he's a nah, he's not anyone. Right, we don't know him, but I will say my my brother had on the TV American Horror Story Coven and Gabrielle mm-hmm. Sidibe. That was like kind of like peak her moment Queenie, jump off, Queenie. right? Like that was like a big moment for her, and then people were like, "What will she do next?" And then kind of like it didn't. Empire. Oh yeah, Empire. She also right after Precious, she did. Um, she was on Nurse Jackie for a few seasons, so right. like she's been working consistently. But like, because um, Empire was her big thing, what's going to be after Empire? Then she wrote her book, you know, her memoir, which yeah. I'm sure she's going to write more, which people loved. I revisited her, you know, the the New York Times thing they do the buy the book, yeah, where the, they interview the authors and they just yeah. ask them a series of questions, whatever, and they're usually very fun to read because I think they're done over email, so the writers get a chance to actually like write out their responses. Anyway, one of the questions, she talks about everything she's been reading. It's very, it's very interesting, whatever. But then one of the questions is, what book do you wish, I think this is from 2017, what book do you think the president should be reading right now? And she just said, the president can't read. And then they moved on to the next one. <laughs> she's very funny. Um, there's always like some funny shit in So her cat calls. does cameos because her boyfriend works at Cameo and was like, please do something. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. I think the caller saying the boyfriend works at Cameo is the reason this is happening. And Gabby does have two cats, like the caller said. The cat that is on Cameo, their name is Sir Aaron Purr. I assume it's a, a reference to Sir Aaron Burr. And it's currently not accepting Cameos, but was as recently as July 29th. So maybe like whenever Gabby's feeling it, she'll come back and do Aaron Purr things. She basically gives the cat a voice it's like you call and it's like hey will you wish my friend a birthday via the cat and the cat will say things like this hi this message is for olivia from chris are you named after Seely's daughter in the color purple because that's my favorite movie anyway olivia i hear it's your human's birthday and you need advice on what to get him have you considered getting him a dead bird? It's funny that since we first mentioned Cameo about 4,000 years ago, you know, like where we were kind of like LMAO mm-hmm. this thing, it really became like part of celebrity culture in quite a mainstream way, you know, that you can like mm-hmm. buy these things. And like, it's still a lot of, it's still a lot of who's on there, you know, and then oh, them yeah, will sign sure. up for charity, which is like nice for them. Yeah. And I think, Gabby has made mention of a charity on it, so she was doing this for charity. And it's so. also a platform that's like made for notable people who have followings. Like mm-hmm. that's what it's built for. So like the products that they're using and the service that they're using and the money that they're paying out, whatever, whatever, is like it knows what it wants to be in that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm scrolling through the Cameo homepage. Yeah. What's new? Surprising faces. And they're also surprisingly inexpensive. Miss Juicy is on here. Guess how much Miss Juicy is? $55. 65 uh, That seemed, I thought she'd be over 100 I'm pretty close, Rufus though. Wainwright. Rufus Wainwright. How much is Rufus Wainwright? First of all, can you believe Rufus Wainwright is on Cameo? Is Second he on, of all, well, guess. You kind of got to click it to see if it's for charity. They get a lot of people by saying, do, do a charity thing. Do a charity split. Especially right now. Doesn't say anything about oh, charity. Oh, no. Rufus okay, Wainwright. $200. $200. Lindsay, he's only $75. Oh, that's very cheap. Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway is more expensive than either of those two people. He's $100. I always forget to scroll through here, but there are a lot of new faces. New faces. But it's cr- it's crazy to me that they used to be, that they used to, this used to be something they would like beg people to sign up for to do. And now it's like overwhelming how many kind of, who's and some thems are like doing this like you can get chris hansen for 50 dollars. like that's a good gag whatever you know <laughs> you can get by ling for 50 dollars an even better cents. i actually don't know what the chat function means but it seems a little intense yeah yeah i don't really need to chat with rufus wayne right i just need <laughs> right i just need him to sing beautiful child to someone on on cameo for their birthday and you know what's so funny the more people that sign up for cameo the more the market gets like they're cheaper so like somebody who's trying to like get picked over somebody else is gonna they're gonna tell you oh you're you know you're charging too much you're not that famous so somebody like you know carol baskin she's 300 dollars right now but you know that price is going down like just mm-hmm. give it time and a- another interesting thing that i'm noticing via scrolling is that impersonator culture is like a subcategory which is sort of funny like sure. there's a Marilyn Monroe impersonator. Uh-huh. There's a Robert De Niro impersonator. That's kind of funny. I don't really understand why you would do that. You know what we got to but... do? We'll do it soon. But let's do, we should do a cameo price guessing game. Like a full out guessing game on price. Oh, because yeah, I think we're fine. at that time where some of these people. There's enough. Like guess Gary Busey right now. Can you guess Gary Busey? And, uh, 150. No. No. You're way low. Higher or you're lower? You're way low. Oh, I'm way low. 299. 350. Gary Busey, three fifty. We should do prices. I'm sorry, he's not more expensive than Rufus Wayne. We should do prices right rules. Like we should just legit do prices right rules and do guessing game. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, so let's move on for now. Next call. Gabby Sitterbay's cat is on Cameo, and her boyfriend Brandon Frankel is in strategic partnerships at Cameo. Good for him. We have he's, two contacts. He's doing a good job. We have two contacts in common. Next call. Hey Lindsay and Bobby. Um. I was just wondering if you saw that Nicole Byer is going to be hosting a five, not one, not two, not three, not four, but five night Emmys thing. So love Nicole Byer. I like honestly think she's great, but what do you have to say about that? Anyway, crunch, crunch, women's dumbbell balloons or do they? I don't know. This is so funny because it's like, Nicole Byer got rightfully nominated for her first Emmy for hosting for Nailed It, which she's extremely good on. Probably the only reason that show actually works. Let's be real. It's a fun show, <laughs> but, but she really makes it conceptually unsound. Like the show doesn't quite work. <laughs> I'm just saying like the absurdity of that show gets old quick, but it doesn't because she's able to like keep exactly. the genius alive. Anyways, they ask her to host these creative arts Emmys, which no one ever fucking watches. But because it's pandemic, maybe people will watch them. And because she's doing literally five nights of 
five hosting. nights <laughs> five maybe nights. like on nailed it where she turns like trash into treasure she can also turn the creative art emmys again which nobody watches unless they're nominated for them into treasure i don't even think they normally air the creative arts emmys anywhere no but sometimes they air them on like fxx like some like some alt channel no i swear to god like they do it says here fxx too like they do sometimes air them i don't know if they're five nights i think they're doing a thing with her they do that thing during the actual emmys where it's like the host of the creative arts emmys that person will come to the emmys and be like hi i'm nicole byer last week i had the pleasure of hosting the creative arts emmys clip which uh, honor the true heroes of the of the Emmys, even though we do not put them on television. Yeah. So it's always like this like rude thing where it's like, these are actually the best people, even though we don't give a shit about right. them and no one knows right. their names. Right. And they're like, here are some great moments. And then they show the great moments and that's it. Like, and Nicole Byer's like, I'm doing this for five nights. There's going to be better than Jimmy Kimmel. Are you kidding? I don't want to watch Jimmy Kimmel do this again. Oh, you mean like Jimmy Kimmel hosting the actual show? <laughs> He's hosting the actual show. You're going to watch the actual now. show. You're going to watch the actual yeah, show. Yeah, I know. Although I will say after on. the VMAs being such a flop, I'm like not excited about award shows that are pre-taped or whatever they're going to do with this. It does not make mm-hmm. it fun. But Nicole Byer like making fun slash embracing the creative art Emmys is definitely it's a great fit. She's a great host. I hope she wins the <laughs> yes. Emmy. I love her. I think she will. Great. I think she. Well, I think she will. But this is my favorite. This is my favorite line. This is from. Um, oh yeah, her book just came out. What's it called? Hashtag very fat. Hashtag very brave. The fat girl's guide to being hashtag brave and not a dejected melancholy down in the dumps weeping fat girl in a bikini. <laughs> Has a great cover. Yeah. <laughs> Has a great cover. Let me tell you something. Okay, so the funniest part about this Hollywood Reporter story about this, which is like, can you believe it? Five nights of this. Um, is, <laughs> Even they can't believe is, it. And they are it. The, they are the only the people in the audience says, for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it says, the ceremonies devoted to creative and technical achievements will take place between September 14th and 17th and September 19th. <laughs> That's crazy. So it's like they're skipping a day? That's literally like Love Island U.S.'s schedule. They do every single day except for Wednesdays. Or <laughs> <laughs> I know because I'm watching currently. There's nothing else to watch. Can you name a single Creative Arts Emmy Award category? It's like Best Puppet. <laughs> Is it not? No, it's like sound mixing, prosthetic makeup. No, isn't sound mixing on the real one? They love sound mixing. They no, love it's it in, in the, the Creative Oscars. Arts Emmys. As okay. of last year, the 2019 they was last. Bumped it they, off the main show. <laughs> they also do guest actors and actresses. Wait, although... that's so lame. That's one of the best categories because you get real famous people on TV. It's like oh, best best fake rain, best fake nose, whatever. I these people are doing amazing work. The the possibilities for Nicole Byer being like openly rude and funny about a category like outstanding creative achievement in interactive media within a scripted program (laughs) no like it's it's must-see tv all of a sudden it went from being not tv to must-see tv and also last year they were a two-night affair they were a two-night affair but this year they're five nights for some reason (laughs) maybe they're shorter or something maybe and maybe maybe they're shorter because they're not like a live event that she's like they're chopping them up and they're doing like bits you don't hire Nicole Byer unless you do bits, you know? Right, but right, she's obviously doing right. bits alone. She's on a stage alone. That's fine. Okay, I'm watching this. I'm excited. But Nicole Byer, what else? She is definitely a who, could easily be a them. But she's like one step away from like getting the thing that is the thing. Because I feel like she's like... Exactly. She's got a podcast. She's got the book. She's got the... Rea- she's got to get the Emmy. She, like I think mm-hmm. she's just like one a moment away from whatever. And also she'd be great on one of those fucking daytime talk shows. Not that she should do that because it's a pain in the ass, but it seems like a nightmare. Wouldn't she be incredible? Like put her on the view. Just kidding. That's a miserable job. (laughs) 
there are just a lot of young millennial women comedians and that's like a tough space you're to right, fill. And right. it's almost like I don't want her to compete with other people. Like it's all, it's <laughs> it's like she needs her own thing. Sure. Um, she was on Girl Code. She was on, she had her own show, Loosely Exactly Nicole, that was scripted. Girl Code was one of those like best week everything's except it was all women like commentating on like pop culture of the day or whatever. She's very funny in that. I remember Loosely Exactly The thing exactly that endeared Nicole. her to me. Yeah. The thing that endeared her to me was in the at the 2016 MTV Movie Awards, she did the red carpet pre-show. She hosted it. It was just a good introduction to her sense of humor. I knew sort of who she was, but I had never fully experienced her before and I fell in love with her during it her bit was she was she had like a fake glam room set up on the red carpet it was like clothes makeup a mirror and stuff and so she was like quote getting ready while interviewing celebrities <laughs> and they would like pick out her wig pick out her dress That's pick so out her funny. her makeup and she'd have Chris Pratt help her pick a dress or whatever and she was so funny I'll play a clip here she was just very hilarious hi I'm Nicole Byer I'm at the MTV Movie Awards I didn't have time to get ready so I'm gonna have some celebrities help me you guys what's gonna happen today and it's so funny because this is the MTV Movie Awards the ones that truly no one watch like you think the VMAs are unwatchable it's like no one is out here watching these but anyways that's great next call this is short but I still cannot believe it hi Lindsay and Bobby long time long time so I was just researching King Princess, the singer, and I'm on her Wikipedia, and I found something that makes no sense. So it says, basically in her lineage, her great-great-grandparents include Isidore Strauss, a U.S. congressman and co-owner of Macy's, and Ida Strauss, and they were from German-Jewish families who immigrated to the United States from the Kingdom of Bavaria and Rhineland-Palatine, or something like that. It says the couple died in the sinking of the passenger ship Titanic. So they died before they got here, yet one of them is a co-owner of Macy's and a U.S. congressman? I don't know. I'm so confused. If you could please research or, like, let me know what is going on with that family, that would be great. Crunch, crunch. Bye. Caller, the Strausses already had kids, and the kids weren't on the boat. Just because they died doesn't mean everyone underneath them in the family Maybe tree Maybe she dies. didn't know the, like, order of which, like, yeah, she thought yeah. they were going to, like, America to, like, start the, the family tree or, or continue yeah. the family tree. But you're right. If they're old, then they maybe already did that. <laughs> it's a funny call for that reason. I love that. I love the like late night thought process where you're like, I do not understand how this works. Like you're trying to do like an inception timeline. Like what, 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 what? King Princess has not come up. Although I, she did come up once because she dated a man Stenberg and we have talked about her a few times. But King Princess herself, who is a musician and who is quite good and gets a, a good, really good amount of attention, right? Like her first album got a lot of attention because what was the song? 1950. Yeah, it was yeah. a cute song. So away. It's a crazy origin story. I mean, what is there to say about... She's one of those artists where it's like, I definitely would call her a who. I would call King Princess a who. Yeah. But dating Amandla is a thing. And I think within like a certain... Obviously... Okay. Like, 
obviously she's like a them within like gay subculture though mm-hmm. you know what i mean she's like a hot like gay singer a hot gender queer like singer yes but her real name is not King Princess. King Princess, the origin of her name is. A friend of mine used to call me that, and it just felt right. I wasn't fully formed into my gender queer self at the time and couldn't comprehend all the levels. But I am a King Princess. It's very in-between and fluid. It's sort of like, why do you call yourself King Princess? And it's like, think about it for two seconds. Um, anyway, two seconds, but yeah. Um, anyway, her real name is, is Michaela Strauss, S-T-R-A-U-S. And if you recognize that name, it's because it's like kind of an iconic New York City name because the Strausses, the Strauss family, came to own... Macy's after the Macy family was like we don't want this anymore so the Strausses bought it and in the movie Titanic maybe the most iconic shot of Titanic that doesn't include Leonardo DiCaprio and probably Kate the saddest moment of Titanic that is connected in any way to the real story of Titanic let's be real yes. the rest is like you know faked yes <laughs> did you know that is, the rest is fake yes like the the, the Irish mother being like the, in the land of Tiernanog, yeah. as like the kids die. <laughs> I'll never forget oh. that. I don't even know what Tiernanog is. But this moment, this moment was is based one of on the truth. moments that is based on truth and is, tell you can say. It. The Strauss couple who were on the ship, I think they were like in their 60s when this happened. Uh, Isidore and Rosalie Strauss, they were on the boat. Rosalie was offered a lifeboat. And whenever she found out that Isidore would not get one, they were like, fuck it, we're just going to die together. And all accounts say they went back to their stateroom. I mean, no one was in there at the time. But... There, the thing about Titanic that actually blows my mind as I was reading about this last night was like the survivors clearly, I mean, you assume it's because it was such a traumatic event. The survivors wrote down everything like and they were they talked about it at length forever. Yeah. And well, so it's probably of interest too. there are all these sections on like Titanic websites and like history.com and all these websites where it's like the person last seen. And it's like, oh, they were smoking a cigar in the smoking lounge. Oh, they were standing on the balcony holding a brandy. Like, everyone wrote the last time they saw Mr. Andrews, the last time they saw Captain Smith. Like, it's actually pretty wild. The no- the notable people, the famous people. Wait, anyway. so you didn't even say, but it's the scene where the they died old couple, like, died in the bed. And it's like the water yes. is, is right. I think I think in the movie they... They are a little bit older than six in their sixties. Yeah, they look I've, they look like they're in their eighties. The they movie, look like they're the elderly. 70s. But that's the that's the representation James Cameron made of that real life couple who happened yes. to be related to King Princess, which is truly not even that far back. The great great grandparents of King Princess, sort of wild. And she talks about it in a couple interviews. She's like, "I'm not rich. Like the money didn't get to me." Well, she says this quote is pretty iconic. They were very rich and Jewish, but I didn't inherit any of this money. It was a little frustrating, but whatever. <laughs> Okay, bitch, love it. But then <laughs> this parenthetical, when I tell Strauss that as a Titanic buff, I recently visited her great-grandparents' grave, she says approvingly, that's hot. <laughs> what is this from? Oh, this is from Rolling Stone. That's okay, from Rolling cool. Stone. Love it. Anyway, that's, I mean, come on. I love finding a way to get Titanic working for the podcast. Also, she's a Mark Ronson artist, just like he yeah. found her or he signed her first. So that's interesting. Yeah. And there's a lot in the in one of the profiles, I think the New York Times profile about how her dad and Mark Ronson had already worked together in the past because her dad uh, works in uh, music engineering. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he yeah, owns up. He owns a studio. Yeah. Anyway, interesting. A Strauss. Right, and she's she kind of has one of those things where, and I think this has been hap- this happens a lot for for queer artists where it's like your music gets identified as like queer and you're like I love it because I am but also like I'm pigeonholed but also like I love it but also like you kind of have like you get a sense whenever they talk about it it's like it's a blessing and a curse Mm -hmm. you know but it but it but it feels like restricting and yet empowering and I think that Mm -hmm. that's something that she probably like experiences I think I'm looking at it she yeah 
Well, she, I mean, in that pro, in that profile, she talks about how like not being straight prevents the straight men who are in charge from hitting on me, and that removes a layer of discomfort. However, it adds other layers of discomfort. <laughs> yeah. Like it removes right. one thing, and then it like closes a door, opens a window. You know that right, sort of right, thing. Right, 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 right. But it reminds right. me of um. I think right. it was this morning I saw a Perfume Genius tweet. I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck I'm just it up. Gonna mention Perfume Genius. But it was something like. I could do a show and lie on the floor and sleep for two hours and a review would call it flamboyant. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, like yes, 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 yes. I saw that tweet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has this issue too where it's like, you know, it, like... Can you believe you're queer? <laughs> it's impossible for people to dissociate his music from him, his from identity. From his identity, yeah. Which, like you said, is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. These are three quick questions. Just rapid fire questions. Okay, okay, okay. okay. See, I, really love, I love how people are calling in with actual... Don't Google, just call us. <laughs> yeah, I love this. Today's episode of Who Weekly is brought to you by the new four-part Showtime documentary series, Love Fraud. Vox says it's like the jinx, but better. Better. It's better. So true crime fans, listen up. For years, Richard Scott Smith, a real-life comment, has preyed on dozens of unsuspecting women. First, he stole their hearts. Then he stole their money, leaving them with nothing and ghosting them forever. Now, his victims have banded together to seek revenge. And with a tough-as-nails bounty hunter on their side, a crazy cat-and-mouse chase unfolds in real time. I love crazy cat-and-mouse chases. I love them. Will they catch him? They better. The Hollywood Reporter calls this series, quote, a twisty, expectation-defying story. Love Fraud is now streaming only on Showtime. Jordan Sparks had a baby? Yes, in 2018. May 2018. Next call. <laughs> Hello. Um, has anyone ever heard Brad Falchuk speak? The answer is yes, and now you can. My name's Brad Falchuk, and I am a television writer, producer, director. <laughs> now you've heard Brad Falchuk speak. Next call. Hey, Lindsay Bobby. I'm watching Maluma win a vma should i know who this is crunch crunch yes the answer is yes <laughs> yes you should do the work but yes okay this one hi long time long time this is a fully deranged message it's 12 48 a.m but i just got a recommended ad on amazon for a dog food by the brand chicken soup for the soul the book people I don't know why I put this in here, Lindsay, and I apologize in advance and I might even cut it. But you have to admit, there's something like particularly bizarre about Chicken Soup for the Soul re-emerging in, I don't know, the past few years as a dog slash cat food company, right? And it's straight up called Chicken Soup for the Soul Pet Food. <laughs> well, when you were trying to explain this to me over text, which I, by the way, did not really like understand or really like was able to communicate about, but you were like, you were like you were like they made a movie they make books and then they make dog food and that's it because i'd understand if it was like truly an empire i'm like oh they're out here making like toys and they're making like whatever whatever but it's like no they like they make books a movie <laughs> videos and Television dog series, food yeah. Yeah, yeah. and dog food and also like why am i trusting these book people to make dog food exactly <laughs> that's my number one question <laughs> 
Okay, so there were these two motivational speakers who released some a series of books that became wildly popular in the 90s. And it was like, chicken soup for the soul, chicken soup for the Christian soul, chicken soup for the, like, blank soul, chicken soup for the athlete's soul. like For the golf lover's soul, chicken soup for the teenager's soul. Throw yeah. a rock, hit a soul they can make chicken soup for. And so it was like, oh my God, they were everywhere. My mom had a million of them. It's very much like... The Four Dummies series, but short stories. Yeah. My mom had like a little stack of them in the bathroom downstairs. Because <laughs> they were really, they were just really short stories. They were really, you know, they were just a collection of yeah. short stories about a topic. Yeah. Uplifting quotes. They were, then they yeah. were little tiny books. Anyway, yeah. so I guess the books never really stopped selling. And so they always like were doing well. Well, they're kind of like graduation gifts forever of all time. Like you can't yeah. go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And so. It really is a good way to prove you don't know somebody that well. Because you're like, oh, they like golf, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. They pivoted to video in 2013, which I guess makes sense because it's like inspirational programming for like kind of like budget production houses like Alcon Entertainment. But then out of nowhere, at the end of this thing, it just says the company has branched out into other categories such as food, pet food and television programming. And I was like, food? So the only instance I could see on this was like from time in 2012, but I couldn't actually see, I couldn't find the food. I I feel like maybe this was a failed venture because I couldn't find proof that this food was ever made. But in 2012, they were written, we can't believe it took this long. Capitalizing on the success of its self-help books, the Chicken Soup for the Soul brand is going to launch a line of actual comfort food, including casseroles, pot pies, gravies, and soups. That makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. But then you move into pet souls and things get a little muddy. Well, you don't have a dog, so luckily you don't need to think about that. <laughs> they make cat food. Oh, well, I guess you got to buy some and try it. <laughs> it's also funny because it's like, do you believe pets have souls? Do you believe animals have souls? Like, this is kind of all about that. <laughs> okay, let's this move on. This is wild. Let's move on. Anyway, thanks for calling. I'm probably going to cut that, but it's just crazy. Hi, the Weekly. Long time, long time. There's a new song on the radio with this in the background that's from like a 2000s R&B song so it finally came to me the name of the song is I Don't Want to Know so I asked Siri to play it and it came up I was like it's definitely not going to know what song I'm talking about whatever it came up right away Mario Wyman is the name of the artist I totally remember that but what I need you to tell me is is it the same Mario as you should let me love you Mario I don't think it is um did Mario Wynan's career get thwarted by mononymous Mario please discuss good form crunch crunch etc did Mario Wynan's career get thwarted by mononymous Mario's career no I don't think so i don't, I don't think, think so. so i don't think so but i do know i did forget that he that mario winans was on i need a girl part one and part two and part three <laughs> i need a girl to me my wife i need a girl who's mine oh you know that part of that song yes <laughs> that's a great song how could i not know that song and especially with your wonderful rendition of it it came right back to my head girl what the hell is on your mind yeah I can be done, but I'm not one. Come on. 
Mara Winans also hit number one with a song called I Don't Want to Know, which sampled Enya, which I can't even think of in my head, but I must know it. It hit number one in the UK. Well, the thing that blows my mind about both Mario Winans and Mario is that Mario Winans' number one song, which was his first single, I Don't Want to Know, samples Ready or Not by the Fugees and, and uh, Bodicea by Enya. Yeah, that's amazing. But also the real thing is like, it really just samples Enya because the Ready or Not song samples Enya initially. Anyway, here's like the original Enya, then the Ready or Not, and then Mario Winans, all three in a row. like listening to all of those samples in order like the progression sounds like i'm watching like an evolutionary chart by the end i'm standing upright but what i'm getting at and i promise i have a point is that both marios were introduced to the world with songs that contained samples of extremely popular songs that came before them mario mononymous mario never forget remember remember his first number one song his first hit song his first single just a friend just a friend 2000 shut up that's mario and that samples covers ish it's a I would I would it blurs the line between cover and sample because it's like a new song that samples that as the chorus. I don't know what you would call that actually, but they it's both not reference. A, I don't know if it's songs. a sample anymore. Mm, you're right. No, it is a sample, not a cover. Because, because it's he's not, it's all new verses. Yeah. It's all new lyrics. Because I, I remember yeah. Mario was much younger, so Mario Winans hit the scene whenever he was already like in his twenties. Right, because I was gonna say Mario Winans was like grown, and Mar- Mario was kind of a baby. Hmm. But Mario stood the test me, of time. Me. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I can't think of Mario without thinking. Wop up Also, never forget Mario was in the live televised version of, of Flop Rent. Remember Flop Rent with Tanasha? He, Mario is in that. He's the Tay Diggs role. He's the he's the Benny, the the landlord. Oh, you're right. Sure, because we you're you were there. Right. We watched that. I enjoyed oh, that. Yeah, you'd never seen. To... You'd never heard or seen Rent before. Anyway, so Mario, but Mario's still releasing music. Mario's still around. Mario Winans don't know where he went, but he's not doing this. The last thing I saw from Mario Winans was that TMZ posted a member them for Mario Winans. I can't tell. Did you click this? I'm part. Part of me was like, is this? A typo or are they actually being nasty? There's a photo of Mario Winans from the video from I Don't Want to Know, shirtless, like looking like early 2000s sexy, like looking up to the camera, pained singing. And it says Mario Winans gained fame for his smooth vocals and shirtless music video for his single I Don't Want to Know. And then you click and it says, remember them? Mario Winans, now 45 years old, was spotted on social media looking bad. Looking and it's like bad? The, it's the just the most adorable photo of a man Looking sitting in the pa- in the driver's seat of his car. 
looking bad, so I'm like looking bald, but he was bald then too, so I don't know if that's a typo or what. Wait, fun fact, Just a Friend, the Mario version, was called Just a Friend 2002. Like, it, that's oh, I the name it of the song. Oh, I Just a Friend 2000. Whoops. Like, remember I'm Sorry 2004? Like, the, the, by, um, what's his face from American Idol? It had the year in the title, so Just a Friend 2002 was the he changed the plot of the song but used the chorus of it and released it in 2002 so yeah anyways they're calling it interpolation sorry we're going back between marios which is confusing i realize (laughs) but i don't think that there's really any overlap it's also completely different music it's a completely different music style i do find it strange that there were two important marios in pop culture around the same time also mario no last name could never be let me love you so it's kind of a lost cause because that song is that song is like peak to me you know what let's not do a game of who them let's just end the episode here we'll play who them next week it's more fun if it's special um thank you for listening to another episode of who's there who weekly we love when you call in and ask fun questions we just thought this was a delightful episode i feel delighted by what we talked about today delighted it was a very like posy inspiring you could say it was chicken soup for the podcast lover's soul. Now you have to leave the segment in. Thank you. I know I was going to cut it. Now I can't. Thank <laughs> you for listening. Call in at 619-WHO-THEM to leave questions, comments, and concerns. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We love that shit. Support us on patreon.com slash weekly for bonus episodes. And have a great weekend. And happy. Be safe this Labor Day. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Bye. Bye. I'm losing my mind. I'm driving down the road in St. Louis right now, and the car ahead of me has a license plate that says B-O-J-O-J-O. Bo-Jo-Jo! Hi, Lindsay and Bobby. It's Frank. Um, Long time, long time. So, in the interests of the original uh, Who's There content that you asked for, um, so I was listening to this other one of my other favorite podcasts, um, uh, the site Oscar Bus. And it's not really relevant with the movie was or anything. Um, they were talking about a um, another movie, the movie, the episode was on, uh, and it um, had an introducing credit on the poster, which got me to thinking, I mean, it's not really a question, I mean, who, the who's and them's of billing, because, you know, first billing and first, and then I guess the and credit is second, and then the with. But, and, but I was thinking, like, the introducing is, like, literally the who's, because, first of all, who are you introducing? You're introducing them because we don't know who they are. But second also, because, like, it's rare, and but like introducing when you're introducing someone, like they almost never end up being worth the introduction. If you know, you know what I mean. Like they're they're like perpetually who's because I mean to, I guess they're trying to make them a big deal, but they almost it almost never works. And like I guess that's why it's kind of rare because. Why even bother? Just give them a regular credit lower down or whatever. I don't know. I just thought that might be something you could talk about if you could think of any times when introducing has been used and 
actually went on to become like even a even a <laughs> little owner of them. I don't know. I thought that might be something you might want to talk about. Okay, well then bad form, Bella Thorne. Um Crunch Crunch. Women do belong in balloons. Bye. Hi, I know that this is not a seagull podcast, but I need y'all to know that I used to work at Magic Kingdom, and seagulls are a huge problem there. Uh, And once I witnessed a seagull swoop down and steal a pretzel out of a girl's hand, uh, another time a friend of mine uh, who worked in food and beverage had a little girl come up and say, like, through tears, ma'am, a seagull stole my ice cream. And I totally believe it. They're savage. There used to be a machine on the top of It's a Small World um, that made, like, these weird squawking noises and, like, uh, makes, uh, like, hawk calls and things like that to scare the seagulls away. And... I don't know, last couple times I went, like pre-pandemic, there was a lot less seagulls. And so I'm really wondering what they've been doing to cut down on that business. All right. Me endorsed. Well, I figured I'd make it big. Just try to forget about the things you did. Baby, it's harder than it looks. Making all this money and dodging crooks. I bought the kind of big house he used to hate. Got property and dogs and a privacy gate. Everything is easy. Everything is fun. If life is a lottery, well, honey, I won. Do you see me on TV? Do you remember how things used to be? Well, I know things have changed, but if you call me now, hell, you know just what I'd say. I got lost in my backyard, spent too long staring at the stars, trying to pretend I can get a real with my fancy cars and expensive shoes. What have I got to do to get you out of my head? And into my arms or into my bed. Crunch, crunch. Thank you for listening to our guest stories this week. Loved what you've heard on this week's episode? Well, well, the answer is simple. It would mean the world to us if you could head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review and feedback. Spreading the word really is the best way to grow our podcast and achieve even greater things. Thank you. Thank you. Please be advised that this podcast is meant for educational and informational purposes only and is in no way a replacement for legal or medical advice. The opinions contained within are solely those of the interviewers and interviewees and should be received as so. Those seeking help or advice are encouraged to obtain professional legal and medical services.